morning, family. It's good to see you. My name is Eddie. I'm the lead pastor here at Grace Covenant Church Sterling. Thank you so much for being with us today. Before we get started, I just had a couple things I wanted to say. First of all, thank you again to everyone who has been uh, participating in our food drive. It's, it's huge. I'm, I'm thankful that we're able to support our community so well. Uh, we really care about Sterling. We care about Herndon and, and Reston and, and Leesburg and, and Ashburn and South Riding and, and all the way uh, out west. And so I'm, I'm grateful that we're able to care for our community well. I'm grateful for your participation in that. Uh, it means a lot, and it, it's a, our way of evidencing the love of Christ toward those who, who need food. Also, I wanted to just say one more time, please stay connected. Uh, this, is a, this is an endurance race, and, and I know that there's some hope and some excitement about things opening up, and then, then maybe we got a little upset that, that Northern Virginia is, is being held off a little bit, and so there's just a desire to get connected and to be outside and not be in our homes and, and add, take, that, take that angst and go join a small group. You have the opportunity to get connected, to stay connected, even as we're, we're social distancing and, and maybe are unable to connect in other ways. Please stay in relationship. Don't neglect uh, these things. Um, today, we wanted to, I wanted to take a moment and just ask you the question, when, when the pressure is on, where do you find peace? When the pressure is on, where do you find peace? You know, over the last few weeks, I think that there have been a numerous different kinds of pressure that, that I've personally experienced, and I imagine many of you have experienced similarly. There's been the, the pressure of, of concern over health. There's been the pressure of concern over, am I going to catch this virus, or is someone I love going to, to get sick? There's been the pressure of, of what is work going to look like? Am I going to be able to have a job? Or Some of us have had the pressure of losing our job, and, and how, how am I going to be able to provide for my family? There's been the, the relational pressure of, of how am I going to make it without seeing people, without being connected to people, but being alone and lonely and, and being isolated. And, and then there's the other pressures that, that weren't necessarily predicated on, on the coronavirus of just life, of the other pressures that existed. And in the middle of all of this, there's a question of how do I make it? How do I find Peace. And so I wanted to look at a text where Jesus speaks pretty directly to where we can find peace, where you and I can connect with God in such a way that we might find real, lasting peace. We're going to be looking at, at uh, John chapter 14, verse 27. It's a very short verse, uh, and we're going to be looking at that and considering what Jesus has to say about peace. If you can read along with me, he says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. This is the word of the Lord to us. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you offer to us a kind of peace that supersedes, that overcomes all of the circumstances that are pressing in on us that you address the greatest of issues in our, in our life, namely our, our separation with you. Thank you, Jesus, that you came to overcome the 
the obstacle of my sin and my sinfulness in order that I might have peace with the Father. And Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are applying the gospel to my heart, that you're taking the benefits of the cross and you're forming the character of Christ in me and that you're reminding me and giving me a sense, experience of your presence that allows me to remember that I have peace with God through Christ. I pray that you would be with us as we study your word, as we consider what what Jesus had to say to us. Make these words real to us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So I wanted to consider this, this passage, it's a really short passage that's, that's couched in a lo- longer conversation that Jesus is having with his disciples. And he says, you know, peace I give to you, peace I'm leaving with you, I'm, I'm giving this to you, but he doesn't say this at a party where everything is going well. You know, if, if I was saying, and actually the word peace, peace I give to you, it's, it's a bit of a, uh, it's, a it's a hello, it's a, it's a good day to you, or it's a, it's a goodbye. That, that was kind of how it was being used, but he's, he's giving some meaning to this, this phrase, peace to be to you. Um, it was a greeting or, or a goodbye statement, but he's, he's, he's pouring into it some, some more meaning. And if we look at the, the surrounding context, we see that, that the situation is not great. They are at the Last Supper. Jesus is with his disciples. And if we were to go back to chapter 13, we would see that... that uh, Judas, uh, Jesus has just washed the disciples' feet. They still don't get it. They still want to be jockeying for first place. And so Jesus has to give this grand uh, example of, of what it means to be a leader, what it means to be first in the kingdom, and it really means to become a servant. And so he washes their feet. And then we, we hear him find out that one of, one of the 12, one of his own, one of the elite is going to betray Jesus. And they're looking around trying to figure out who he is. And Judas is the one who's going to betray Jesus. And so Judas actually leaves the party. And so now that Judas is gone, Jesus is speaking to the remaining disciples. And in fact, he's told Peter that that he's going to deny Jesus three times before the morning comes. You know, Peter's this, he's this overzealous, excited, kind of, all or nothing guy who's like, Jesus, I'm, you know, uh, when, when Jesus begins to wash their feet, he says, wash my whole body. When he gets an idea of what it means, he, he wants to take it all the way to 100. And, and Jesus says, you know what, Peter, you're not as, not as strong as you think you are. And, and in fact, you're going you're gonna to deny me three times before the rooster crows. And we see that, that Jesus is trying to give some final words to the disciples to, to frame what he wants them to experience and see in the next coming hours and days. He, this is one of the most uh, meaningful texts that you could probably read. I mean, the whole Bible is very meaningful, but these are some of Jesus' last words before he departs. And in this situation, as he's looking on to his suffering, to his death, as he's recognizing that his disciples are going to be dispersed, that they're going to be experiencing fear and concern and worry, and, and they're going to be disheartened. It's in this moment that he says to you, peace I leave to you, my peace I give to you. So what does Christ mean by these words, peace? No, this is not some sort of peace, uh, tranquility, uh, lack of, of suffering, lack of pain, 
no problems in the world peace. This is not a, a kind of peace that you, you walk into a meadow and there's a pond and it's, it's very peaceful. No, as I said before, the, the circumstances surrounding this situation are anything but peaceful. They're about to get very tumultuous. The disciples are about to watch their, disciple die, their, their leader die. And not only is Jesus going to die, he's going to be beaten and he's going to be murdered. Not only is he going to be murdered, he's going to be murdered on the cross, the death of a criminal. In our time, that'd be akin to them going to prison and watching Jesus be electrocuted uh, on, on the chair. I mean, this is not a good situation. Jesus is not talking about a, a peaceful state of affairs. Now, I'm, I'm encouraged by that because it, it speaks to the fact that God has a peace for you and me, and we're going to get to this, but he has a peace for you and me that, that extends beyond our circumstance, that, that overcomes our circumstance, that can be weaved through our circumstances. So you might be in a circumstance right now where you're looking around and saying, I don't feel peaceful. Nothing in my circumstances look peaceful. My kids are acting crazy. My job is a mess. My, my finances are a mess. My health is a mess, and I don't see peace. And Jesus, in a very similar situation, was looking around, seeing all the things that were going on, and he said, peace, I leave with you. Jesus is a peace, uh, Jesus offers a peace that he, he leaves behind. He says, I leave this with you, I, or I, I bequeath it to you, I give it to you. Uh, it's a peace that he gives the disciples in the midst of their soon-to-be very difficult circumstances. It's more, more substantive than, than this notion of, of, of tranquility. He's not describing things. Sometimes we say, this is peaceful, or I have peace, and what we mean is, the things around me are peaceful. But Jesus is saying, I have something to give to you. I have something material to offer to you. And we're given a hint of what he's talking about as he continues to talk in, in in chapter 16, he, this is all the same conversation. And in chapter 16, he says in verse uh, 33, I have said these things, talking about all these things, right before he, pre- he prays this high priestly prayer, he says, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Again, we see this idea of peace in the midst of tribulation. And he says, listen to me, he says, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. You see, Christ's peace is it's from him and it's in him. Our peace is not found apart from Jesus Christ. Paul goes even further in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, and he says this, therefore, talking to the, the believers, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, in other words, therefore, since we've been counted as righteous before God by our faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ, Paul's looking back on, on the cross and what Christ did. And he's saying, if you have faith in that, then, then you have been counted righteous. Since we've been justified, we have what? Peace with God. Peace is in and from and through Christ, and it's with God. That's a lot of prepositions, but, but the point is that peace comes from Christ. Peace is found in Christ. Peace uh, happens through the work of Christ, and our peace is ultimately with God. You see, um, through the death of Jesus Christ, he secured a peace with God for all who trust in him. This is an ultimate peace. It's our most serious problem. Maybe you're, you're, you're watching this for the first time, and, and you're not sure what we're talking about here. 
the reality is when, when the Bible talks about our, our greatest issues, our greatest problems in the world, it doesn't begin to say, you know, we need to be more educated, we need to have uh, more equality in our socioeconomical situations, although it does talk about justice and it does talk about, about learning. I mean, the Bible is a book, and so there's an expectation of learning. It, it, it describes our ultimate problem as being separated from God because of our disobedience toward God. We are, we are categorized as, as criminals, as trespassers, as disobedient rebels. In Ephesians, it, it goes so far as to say that we're dead in our trespasses and sins. And it doesn't mean that we're, we're dead in the sense that we're physically dead, but we're, we're unresponsive toward God because we are so rebellious. Our greatest need is for peace between ourselves and God, our judge. You and I, as sinners, are in need of a reconciliation. Someone who can come between us and God and bring us into a state of being right before God. Transfer us from from a kingdom of darkness, which we all live in apart from Christ, and into the kingdom of his beloved son, as, as Paul describes in, I believe it's Colossians. Jesus leaves us and leaves his disciples his peace. This is a peace with God, as Paul describes it. It's a final peace. This is, this is the ultimate peace. All of your circumstances, as bad as they are, they're going to come to an end at one point. We all are going to face the reality that, that one day we will die. But that doesn't, our lives don't end there, as, as strange as it is to say that. Our, our lives don't end at our death. We will face our judge, God, and God will judge us And it's at that point where the question of what our ultimate peace looks like. Jesus leaves them with an ultimate peace, a final peace, a complete peace, and a perfect peace. And in fact, he goes on to describe the fact that that his peace is is nothing like what the world has to offer. He goes on to say in in the second part of verse 27, I'm back in, in chapter 14, he says this, Peace I leave to you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. So how does the world give? What does is, what is worldly peace look like? Well, I live in a townhouse, and I've lived there for 12 years now, 13 years. And in that time, I've, we've had a, a, uh, a leak, and by leak I mean we've flooded the bottom floor at least three times. And now, now since we've, we've figured out the problem, but, but the first and second times that it happened, we found the leak... And we fixed the leak, and then we repaired all the issues that, that kind of came as a result of the leak. There was flooding, so we had to replace flooring and, and furniture and paint the walls and, and board. It was bad, all three times. But we didn't, the first two times, fix the, the main problem, which was that we had this kind of piping that was bad. And as we found out, the, the piping that we had for our source water that would, that would take water to the various locations in the house, it, it would erode over time from the inside out. So you couldn't see it was bad until there was a leak. And then you knew, hey, there's a problem. We didn't find out until later on and we didn't fix the problem, the real problem, until later on. Worldly peace is like the, res- the relief that comes from fixing the leak. You know, it's, it's temporary. There's a sense of, okay, my circumstances have come in order. It's temporal. It's, it's, it's happening in a moment. But if you don't fix the real problem, then you're going to have another leak. And it's, it's fragile. 
My, my peace as it related to my house was only as strong as the bad pipes were. So they were as weak as, as the next leak that would come. The world offers that kind of peace. The world offers to you and me a kind of peace that says, uh, when there's t- tranquility, we have peace. It's not even really offering anything to us. It's really describing our circumstances. And when our circumstances are, quote unquote, peaceful, then we can say, I have peace. And when they are tumultuous, we don't have peace. And, and the disposition of your heart and my heart is dependent at that point on what's happening in the world. And beyond this, this is a, it's a fragile and it's a superficial peace because it doesn't deal with the deepest issue. Your circumstances, my circumstances, whether they be good or bad, don't <coughs> have any bearing on our peace before God. This is not the kind of peace that you and I need. It may be the kind of peace that you and I want from time to time, but, but Jesus offers a deeper peace that is able to say, my circumstances may be tumultuous, but my heart is at peace because I am at peace with my maker. When Christ gives us peace, he gives us, some, he gives us something that, that supersedes our circumstances, that is eternal in nature, and that cannot be broken. When we have peace In Christ, we can live differently. So he goes on and he says this in verse 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. And then he says this, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. It's kind of an abrupt shift. He says, you know, I'm giving you this peace, I'm, I'm, I'm letting you have this. And he says, hey, don't let your hearts be troubled, don't be afraid. And if we look at chapter 14, verse 1, the beginning of this chapter, we see that he says the same thing. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. And he says this, believe in God, believe also in me. That word believe there, it's the, it's the verbal form of the, of, of the noun faith. So have faith in God, have faith in me. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled, believe. And here he says, you have peace through me, peace that comes when you trust me, we can say, so don't be troubled. When we know that the, the rift between God and us has been mended by the cross of Christ, we can overcome other problems. We can begin to say, I don't need to worry about these things. I don't need to be troubled by these things. That is not to say we ignore those things. Again, if we look at the circumstance of Jesus Christ, he doesn't ignore his circumstances. The disciples don't ignore their circumstances, but they find a peace from Christ through their circumstances. And when you and I know that there's a rift between God that has been addressed by the cross, we can overcome our circumstances. Again, I'll go back to, to ch- chapter 16 where Jesus kind of summarizes what he says and he says it a very similar way when he says uh, in verse 33, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. And then he goes on to say, in the world you will have tribulation. In this, the world, in your sur- uh, situation, in your, in your circumstances, there will be uh, turmoil. It will be tumultuous. But he says, but take heart. In other words, but do not fear. Do not worry. I have overcome the world. He's overcome our greatest of problems. He's defeated Satan, sin, and death on the cross. And he says, if you trust in me, if you believe in God and believe in me, if you receive my peace, if you receive me and receive my peace, then you can trust that that my overcoming the world applies to your life. There is no circumstance so great that the world can threaten the peace that Jesus has established between God and you and me. 
There's no circumstance so great in the world that can dismantle the peace that Jesus has bought with his own blood. There's no circumstance so dire in the world that can separate you and me from the peace that comes from Christ. This is why Paul says in in Philippians, he talks about this connection between peace and and anxiety. And he says in chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, he says, Do not be anxious about anything. Now, if he just said that and said, you know, have happy thoughts, we'd be like, Paul, thanks for nothing. But he goes on and he says this, in everything, instead of being anxious, he says, by prayer and supplication, in other words, talking to the Lord, taking your worries to God, to the source of your peace, looking at God with Jesus Christ, who is your intercessor at the right hand of God, he's saying, taking your prayers and your supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. And he says in verse seven, and what? The peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ. He says, when you take your concerns to God, but in faith that Jesus Christ is interceding on your behalf, there's a peace that's gonna come to you because you've, you've been reunited with your father. You've been reunited with God. You've been reconciled to God. And it's a peace that is, it's, it's inscrutable. It's unsearchable. It's, it surpasses understanding. It doesn't make sense. And in fact, you can see that. <clears throat> you, I, I reflect on this often, but, but when you look at the early church and the martyrs, they reflected, they reflected a kind of peace that, that surpassed understanding. When you had people being burned at the stake, being told either recant, either, either say, you don't believe in Jesus Christ or you're gonna be burned at the stake, and they gladly go and stand at the, at the funeral pyre and they sing a hymn of praise as the fire catches, that's a kind of peace that has overcome the world. That's a kind of peace that overcomes all understanding, that surpasses all kinds of understanding. When people see us in the middle of our suffering, in the middle of our pain, in the middle of our poor circumstances, in the middle of of things that would cause anyone else to be fearful and see us trusting in Jesus, see us bringing our prayers and supplication with thanksgiving to God and, and receiving that peace. When they see that, they see something supernatural. They see something different. Family, this is for you. This is the kind of peace that's available to you. This is the kind of peace that God has, has purchased by his blood on the cross for you. Christ came to give us peace and Christ came to be our peace. In fact, when we, when we celebrate Christmas time, we hear that, that text in, in Isaiah that speaks of, of the prince of peace, the one who would be the prince of peace. I think it's in Isaiah chapter 9. Um, let me see if I can find it here. Isaiah uh, chapter 9 in verses 6 and 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, <clears throat> Everlasting Father, and what? Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. Jesus is the Prince of Peace because he's the source of peace. Family, do you have peace today? Do you have peace today? And I ask you that because it's available to you. Jesus came to address the greatest of issues between us and God, the fact that we are criminals in his kingdom. And apart from God, You and I, we are separated from him and we're under his judgment. We have committed sins, 
sins of omission, things that we should have done that we didn't do, sins of commission, things that we did do that we shouldn't have done. And because of these things, we stand under God's wrath apart from Christ. You and I, we, we deserve a judgment, a just punishment for our behavior, for our ungodly attitudes and actions. But Christ came to bear that punishment on the cross for our sins in our place. And for all who trust him, for all who, who hear him, who receive the peace that he offers, who, for all who, as it says in verse 14, believe in God and believe in Jesus Christ, there is peace. Do you need peace today? Then I would encourage you to receive Jesus. Receive him as your Lord. Receive him as your Savior. Receive him as the one who offers as your Lord peace to you. Receive him as the Prince of Peace for your life. Receive him as the, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. Receive him as the one who's, who's willing to take you from the kingdom of darkness into the, the kingdom of, of his goodness, of his greatness. The Bible says the kingdom of, of God the Father's beloved son. And as, as it says in verse 14, believe in God, put your faith in his ability to overcome the world and give you real lasting peace. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you have established for us a deep and abiding peace. I thank you, God, that you have given us a kind of peace that, that overcomes every circumstance that, that we face. And Lord, I recognize that there are some real difficult circumstances that we're facing. Emotions that we have, situations that challenge our, our strength and our, our fortitude, relationships that are broken, financial burdens that are feel impossible to bear and God I, I thank you that in the midst of all of these things in the midst of our turmoil you come to us and say I have I've given you peace in Christ I've given you peace I've bequeathed to you peace I've left you with peace if you've never trusted in Jesus today's the day Today's the day to give your life to the Lord. Today's the day to trust Him, to believe in Him, as it says in, in uh, verse 1 of chapter 14 of John. Believe in God and believe in Him. Not just to believe that He exists, but to believe that He is the Lord of lords, the King of kings, that He died on the cross for your sins in your place in order that you might be reconciled to the Father in order to live a life of holiness toward Him, a live a life that's dedicated to Him alone. If that's you, I would, I would like for you to pray with me, God. Say, say, God, I turn away from everything I know to be sin and I turn to you and I put my trust in you. Give me this peace. Let me, to, let me live my life under your leadership. Let me live my life dedicated to you and my, let me live my life in your peace. In Jesus' name I pray. If you prayed that prayer, we would love to connect with you. We'd love to, to walk along this road with you to help you navigate a life that trusts in Jesus for peace. So would you, would you reach out to one of our hosts in the chat? Would you, would you raise your hand and you can do it that way or you can just say, hey, I, I prayed the prayer or, or just message someone. You, if you don't feel comfortable doing that, you can email us at sterling at gracecub.org, sterling at gracecub.org. Just let us know because we want to help you walk this walk of faith out. Well, family, I pray that, that you would be filled with a sense of God's peace. It is, it is this moment that we reflect on what God has done for us and we, 
we consider how we can do this for others. If you've received peace from God, you have the benefit of offering that peace to others, at least in part through your, your financial giving. We are, we're con- collecting a benevolence offering and we've been doing so for a number of weeks now for the purpose of, of meeting the needs of people in our community. Food needs, toiletry needs, I mean, real down and dirty needs. This is not, we're, we're not trying to help people uh, pay for their Netflix account. No, we're, we're paying for, for food, for shelter, um, for, for medical things. So if, if you are able and, and God's blessed you, let me encourage you, would you please consider giving today? If you would like to give, you can do so uh, by check. You can uh, write a check out to Grace Covenant Church and write Sterling uh, Benevolence in, in the memo and then send it to our office location. And, and you can find the address on our website, gracecub.org, or you can look, I think it's on the screen. Um, you can also give on, online at gracecub.org slash sterling and press the button that says give, or you can give through our mobile app, which you can download in any iTunes or, or Google Play store. Well, let me pray on, and bless that uh, offering. Lord God, I pray that you would receive our giving that you would, you would multiply it, that you would, like the loaves and the fish, that you would use it to feed the multitude, Lord. Allow us to be a blessing to Sterling. Allow us to be the hands and feet of, of your son, Jesus Christ, uh, in this area. Let us be a blessing, meeting the physical needs of, of individuals in order that they might be open to hearing how God wants to meet their spiritual need. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, family, it is good to be with you. Let me declare this blessing over you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Go in peace today. Love the Lord and love others.